Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television you watch with your third eye. And I'm Mara Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about the seven deadly sins. And for those that are listening, I did those annoying quotes with my fingers on the deadly Air sins. Air quotes. Yeah. 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 Or the seven deathly skins, as yeah. they could be called. Yes. At any rate, so today in Mayan is the beginning of a wave spell. And it's Muluk, and Muluk is the tribe of the psychic, the universal water. And people in the Muluk tribe really do get a handle on their emotions, and a lot of their life is about exploring them. And so today is the first day to decide something new. I unify in order to purify, attracting flow. I seal the process of universal water with a magnetic tone of purpose. I am guided by my own power doubled. And what that means is the guide tribe of the day is the same tribe as the day. Yeah, and as the beginning of a wave spell, you're going to, if you choose to, uh, program the next 13 days, decide what the next 13 days will bring into your life. And you could even go so far as to write it down, which would be a good idea. And the Muluk people, I have noticed, tend to have a um, uh, foot in both worlds, very psychic, but at the same time they can be very practical or very physical about things. That's my guide tribe. Yeah. I, I have a lot of Muluk energy, and I guess I would take this, my uh, magnifiers off my crown chakra, since I would be the, uh, utilizing <clears throat> them at the moment. Yeah. So the seven deathly skins. Well, What's the deadly sins. Now, uh, what <clears throat> is interesting about this is the Catholic Church, and I am no, no expert, I honestly just read this recently, um, so they, they identified sin in two categories. The vernal sins, which are these little things that you can be forgiven for, that a priest is qualified to forgive you for. And then the mortal sins, which that's all she wrote, you're pretty much up the creek there. And that you have to, that you're pretty much um, doomed to damnation. Now these seven <coughs> Deadly sins are the mortal <coughs> sins, the sins that meant that you would be in eternal damnation. Now, before we get to those, I have a theory of what this was a metaphor for. When you do things of these certain categories, which we're going to talk about, what happens is we end up in guilt that will go on forever. And sometimes the guilt comes in the form of denying that guilt to the point where we cut off our whole emotional life or we are in a state of denial. But that hell really is guilt because guilt is something that we surround ourselves with and it permeates us 24-7 and we can never get out of it as long as we hold on to it. Yeah, well, so perhaps the, the metaphor, the, the idea of hell in the biblical texts is really talking about the state of guilt and shame and the things that we talk We've about. We've done a lot of shows on the subject of guilt and uh, just so no one misunderstands, there is no such thing as hell. It really is fiction. It was created by people that like to control by fear and that's just simply not the way of the world anymore. Well, it's what time I'm to saying release is, these ideas. Is, um, a lot of the stuff that has been <coughs> written and interpreted turns it into very dramatic things, mm -hmm. but perhaps since everything has <coughs> stemmed from a divine origin of some sort, that the divine origin to that was guilt. And what it's saying is guilt will just keep you down forever and ever. 
Anyway, the first deadly sin is wrath, which is anger. Mm -hmm. And so, did you have anything well, you wanted to Well, if you about? say to the average person, wrath, they go, of con? I know, that's what I was thinking. Or the grapes of? Yeah, okay. Now, wrath or anger is, um, these are very <clears throat> disjointed methods of teaching because they're teaching in negative. If we were to ask, what does the sin of wrath conduct into us, we would have to understand that what they're saying is that this is a harmony universe. And if you give off the harmony of anger, come on, somebody take a guess, what's going to come back? Well, yeah, if you look so. at it, anger is simply an opinion or a point of view with something holding it back or stopping it. I thought this was also interesting because the Catholics, I believe, also came up with the seven virtues, and they correspond to the seven deadly sins. And wrath's virtue is patience. And so if we start looking at the bigger picture on this, mm -hmm. anger represents being out of balance in this direction. Yeah. Patience means something that brings it back into balance over here, so that ultimately you get to Buddhism, where you walk the middle of the road, mm -hmm. and that you're in a state of peace. So. Anger in general is, I feel that anger is on our side. It's here to help us get out of situations that we may not just get out of ordinarily without that, um, what is that called, overdrive to get, to get up that mountain to yeah. really push us through it. And the anger is designed to do that. But what happens in the form of wrath or in the out of balance state of anger is that we don't do anything about it. We feel the anger. It, it's like blowing up a balloon to propel it forward, but we don't move forward. And so we keep blowing and blowing until it pops, and then we're out well, of balance. Anger always has to do with the border. It yes. Al it always has to do with the border. I, I, I also agree with that. Yeah, that has been crossed. And almost always, the border was never clearly expressed by mm -hmm. the border, the border E, the mm -hmm. persons had their border violated. You never said that now granted someone collides with your car definitely borders have been crossed everyone understands that the person doing the colliding knew better than to cross your border that way but in our interactions between people and you have a OC and someone has moved the fork 16 degrees off of the angle you believe it's supposed to be and you you know go to a, what was a wrath about that okay that's just you know, really, you, you say, oh, I always have my forks at 16 degrees off center because it happened one day when mom and dad were having a fight, and I just thought that was normal from there on in. OC, by the way, is um, a county just outside of Los Angeles, I think. But the um, OC... Orange County. I thought it was um, obsessive-compulsive. <laughs> obsessive-compulsive county, which is where everybody has to knock on doors nine times and things like that. But that's, that's mental overactivity, which is a compensation for being direct with yourself, being connected to yourself. You have, you know, just, a, we could do a whole show on that. And I'm sure you have EFT techniques that help people a good deal with that. But I'm just saying obsessive-compulsive is a derivative of, um, Oh, one of the other sins, pardon me, I 
skip yeah. ahead on the sins. Okay, well, well, I think essentially what it's saying is all the, se the seven deadly sins are really out-of-balance situations. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So how about if, if I go ahead and read the list and the all virtue, right. and then we can uh, continue our conversation. Oh, good. I'll take The notes. second deadly sin is greed, and of course the antidote to that which is the virtue, is, is charity. So if we are feeling too greedy, too needy, holding on, the remedy for that then is to be charitable, and that gets us back into a state of balance. And I think that's kind of interesting to look at it that way mm -hmm. because it's, it, the balance point between these two things is, is giving where your heart feels uh, inspired to give. I was in a meditation a n number of years ago, and I was asking the universal energies, my higher self, how could I help those less fortunate in a better way? And I was, I know we, I do the show and, and many other things, but I was thinking more along the lines of soup kitchen or something like that or foster care or something. Yeah. And Mother Teresa shows up in this meditation. Love Mother Teresa, but it's not some, somebody that I normally focus my attention on. So it had more impact on me. And she said, what makes you think there are those less fortunate than you? And it really was one of the greatest epiphanies I ever had yeah. because I realized that since there's no one less fortunate, then there's also no one more fortunate. And I could get out of that whole comparison game. And also, every time I look at someone that's starving or poor and I say, oh, that poor person, I am empowering this illusion that they don't have resources and that we're all the same. And that who am I to say that their experience of poverty or starvation or whatever that is is somehow bad and my choice is somehow good and I have to compensate and that I have to feel guilty and try to write the, the universe. It was extremely freeing. And then I realized that when it was my time to give, my heart just freely gave. And I gave more, but it was a funded giving because it was done out of love and not out of obligation. So that, to me, is a good illustration of that balance point between greed and charity. Yeah, now, the word, the greed. greed does that make sense this, to you? Yes, it does. Okay. Um, and I have a take on this, that um, um, need and greed are the same thing. And the imbalance in the world uh, is based on need and greed. Mm -hmm. It does work that way very much. Now, there's a um, signature on the hand that reveals a person who is incapable of being satisfied. Yeah, I was going to mention that. That's interesting you brought it up. Um, did you want to go ahead No, on no, that? no. I'm just glad okay. you brought it up. All right. And I, years ago, well, it was actually through a um, channeled uh, book on palmistry that I read that was very interesting. I, I believe that's where it came from. The origin is not as important as what it is. And the um, idea is that if you see this signature, you tell the person to give money away. And in giving money away, oh. you will therefore be satisfied with the money that you have because you cannot give money away unless you have more than you require. But you don't know that you have more and all you look at is what you don't have, as in the axiom, if you count your money, there won't be enough. Ah, well, that's very interesting. So, yeah, so then the advice was, and you can actually Where on the palm, change, the, um, change the signature on the palm by doing that. Notice how charities, 
what do charities always give you? They always give you a little bag. I mean, name a charity. The Fonz, all this stuff. They always give you a little oh, bag. Oh, a tote bag. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so you can, you can walk around yeah. going, I've got more stuff than I have to have. They gave me a little bag to carry it around <laughs> with me to, to remind me in. that I have more stuff than I can possibly keep track of even. And so that's the way that works. Now, if you can, pardon the if, when you give up using the word need, you will step out of greed mm -hmm. because you will never call that spirit to you. Yeah. And as the language codes is stating, if you say, I need this, you have pushed it so far away from you, there is no possibility that you will ever particularly be able to get it just by virtue of vibrating the quantum field with the word need. You'll just separate yourself from it. So if you stop saying that word, the field will come to balance around you. That's what's knocking the field out of place. You know the expression, and the language goes, you know the expression, need to know? Okay. <laughs> Pardon me, that is greed to know. All right. So if you say to someone, and this is a very famous statement in the government, oh, that's on a need to know basis. Well, good thing I already know, dude. Why in the world would you insult me? Oh, no, pardon me. I know why. Thank you. Thank you very much. Love you. See you not for a lifetime or two. Make it a few hundred lifetimes. You know, that, that sort of thing. But that is that, it is that harmony thing again. And all of the um, seven deathly skins are talking about being out of uh, harmony. They're all talking about being out of harmony, and as you say. So what's the next one, or did you have something more to say? Um, well, I'll just let it go and move on to the next. The next is sloth, and then the virtue is diligence. And my, what I was getting from that when I read that, sloth, I believe, means laziness or inactivity, just sitting there and moving slowly. I feel that all laziness, and I'm doing that quote thing again, all laziness is really Away, is, is you, your life, your circumstances awaiting a decision from you. And that when you do not make the decision, everything grinds to a halt. And the reason I feel that that happens is because we have been so frightened into uh, not making a decision or frightened from making a decision because of decisions in the past that got us stuck in that quagmire of guilt and regret and blame and such things. So you can go to any group of people and there is such an astonishing amount of indecision, let alone the indecision we have in our life. And so somebody that is lazy is just somebody, or slothful, is somebody that has not made a decision. And diligence is, is a state that we get to after a decision is made. So the balance point, the triangulation between these two things, to me, is decision. Oh, that's good, yeah. Because decision now, precedes all action. Yeah. Action cannot happen without decision. Well, as, uh, the laziness is in reality, and I know you've spoken this in the, in the book as well, laziness is someone else's standard that you are imposing on yourself because there really isn't such a thing as laziness, or for that matter, sloth. I know. There is motivation and anti-motivation, let's put it that way. And when someone superimposes their sense of value on you, you 
quite naturally move into a state of anti-motivation and so therefore appear lazy. But there really is no such thing as lazy. And I well, believe I I'm quoting you yes. in saying what is, you know, figure out what that standard someone's imposing on you. Well, um, just, just to paraphrasing. Be, yeah, be clear, there's no such word as lazy that you ought to be asking yourself, why don't I want to do this? And that's why it. do I feel like I make, that I have to do this? Yeah, why am yeah. I making me do this? And mm -hmm. that's where you get. But both of those things are showing that there's not been a decision rendered that there is defaulting to other people's decisions, there is defaulting to beliefs, there's defaulting to fear, defaulting to rebellion. There's a default to a lot of different things, but not to making a decision. And if you feel depressed in your life, or if you feel stuck at all, begin by making one little decision. Like right now, the decision, if, if it's to turn off the television, then go right ahead, go for it. If it's to go into the kitchen and eat something, then make that decision. If it's to not go in the kitchen and eat something, do it and feel powerful. And that's how you get out of those yeah. two things. Okay. And uh, diligence, just one more word. Uh, yeah. Diligence is um, actually a form of joy. Yes, it's caring. Dil yeah, diligence is a fulfillment rather than see the, the due diligence in the way the language poisons things that would otherwise not be poisonous. But diligence is where you it's a form of self-love. It's a form of um, uh, fulfillment. There's a lot to be said for no. it, and it's an inspiration as well. Well, it's an experience. You've probably heard me say it a hundred thousand times. We're either measuring or we're experiencing. And mm -hmm. if you're unhappy, you, you're always in a measurement. And if you're happy, you're in the experience, because measurement can only happen when you stop experiencing <coughs> and look into the past. <coughs> So That's diligence right. is focus, and it's loving and being present where you are, and you can't do that without making a decision to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next is pride, and then the antithesis of that, or the, the antidote of that, the virtue, is humility. Ooh. So pride, pride really is a lack of love and respect of yourself, because you only feel pride when there is some piece of evidence that has finally convinced you that you're lovable, like winning the football game or getting that raise. And so the reason that that is an out-of-balance out of condition is because you are basing your opinion on yourself, of yourself on external things, and that's inherently like standing on the corner of the top of the chair. It's going to tip over eventually. It's not balanced. So the antidote being humility which my definition of humility is knowing who you really are, yeah, exactly. not, not overinflated and not underinflated, although we've gained, gotten this definition that it is where, oh, no, I'm nothing. Walk all over me. Yeah, that's and that's humility. Humi in that's the not humility. Yeah. So the balance point between the two is not self-effacing or self-inflating, that it's a knowing that you have to do nothing to yourself and you don't have to change any perspective on yourself in order to love yourself. And it's not based on anything that you do or are. Yeah. Okay. Now, I've spent, um, this is probably the third decade in which I am actually writing, I remember who it is I really am, because that just keeps opening doors still. This is 30 years of writing. Um, There's oh, a lot of remembering to do. Yeah, I know. We had... Um, People want instant gratification. As I said, I've been at this 30 years, and it still opens doors for me. 
that I never recognized were there, uh, there came the point when it was possible to write, it's okay for me to be who I really am, which was quite a bit different mm. than just remembering who mm. I really am. And those who must have instant gratification will begin to write, I remember, it's okay for me to be who I really am. Okay, that's good. However, I would suggest that you, at least for a while, because we all have our work to do on ourselves. There's no way around that. I mean, you can, you can have good teachers and set yourself further ahead to begin with. But start with remembering who you really are because, you know, um, a small child does not get up and walk. <laughs> you know, so it's okay. And, but the child will be someone who walks. It's okay for them to be who they really are, a walker, but they're going to have to remember before they can do it. So Kids I mean, are so cute when they first start to walk. Yeah, I like, they like to fall over, I think. No, they don't. They just they hold two cookies, and then they feel very confident like they're holding Yeah, the world's thing. cookies are, yeah, no, that works. That and they're works so happy well. that all of a sudden they just get to the place so yeah. quickly. And pride and self-esteem are on a teeter-totter, speaking of child toys. Um, you know, in other words, mm -hmm. the very prideful people just are screaming that they have no self-esteem. Yeah, they have no self-worth. It's like different sides of the coin. No, I'm just saying I agree with you. Yeah. It's like the same side to the same coin, right. really. So now low self-esteem always has been someone who has fallen, and there is no word victim. Hey, hey, hey. To the comparison game. So if we talk about um, Regis and Kathy Lee. Well, we want to thank them that's for outdated. being. That's outdated. I think it's somebody else now. Name a modern couple that's on popular TV. That's we just, just think Kelly Lee. All right. If we talk about some couple that's very popular on TV, what we would say is, well, thank them for being a model. Thank them for, for what they can offer. But I, I don't want to compare because it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah comparison true. is um, uh, going to be very harmful because it automatically negates your worth. Mm -hmm. It does. Automatically. So uh, to become aware of the comparison game and turn it into, oh, thank you for your modeling, that's who I really am. That's who, you know, that's the sort of thing you want to remember. It's not about who did what. It's about who you are because each and every human being on this planet is a quintessential note in the symphony oh, of God. humanity. Yeah. yeah. And please don't count yourself, well, you, you can, but no, wait. Please don't count yourself out because you're so necessary. Good Lord. And it's not like you're going to know why. It's not like some people, yeah, they're going to know why, but I mean, some people are. But these notes they take, like, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, the, no, I didn't. I wasn't. I, I read yet. some story somewhere where this guy just saw this woman on a bus stop, and he knew that she had just had some sort of a horrible tragedy, and he sat down next to her like he was waiting for the bus, and in a few minutes they had a small conversation, and uh, he said, it's going to be okay. okay. And he didn't even get on the bus when she did, and he completely forgot about it until he was on the other side and they said, hey, that was an amazing thing you did right there. That was outstanding. And he said, I don't remember that at all. I don't remember doing that. 
So it's not like we're going to know why we're an essential note. That's true, and I think that that's a very good and wise thing to keep in mind, that we do okay. not know yeah, we what don't. impact. Yeah. Um, we've had, uh, well, anyway, there's a lot of stories to that, but I no, would like ahead. to also put forth a different idea or a different concept that we don't have to do that, whether known or non unknown, in order to be valuable. That we are inherently valuable, it is a birthright, whether we're curing cancer or sitting on the couch all day, every day, or sitting in a wheelchair over here, mm -hmm. not even talking to another living soul, never consoling someone on a bus. It's not like we're going to get to heaven or wherever this place is on the other side, Between and they're going to say, well, okay, you, you never helped anybody oh, no. on the bus. You never did this. The thing is, is it's not those things that get us anywhere, and that's the whole point here. But, but I see your point. Yeah. I'm not negating your point, I'm just adding on to another fa mm -hmm, facet mm -hmm. to that, that it's really important for us to know that we are valuable and it's not anything that we do, which is why that whole pride thing comes into play, is because yeah. there's a belief that we somehow are lesser than and we have to get some deity up in the clouds to forgive us for God only knows what, and, and then we can get there. And, and God is not like that. The universe is not like that. That's more of a trait of man. And we tend to project man's issues onto the, the, the divine. Okay. So, deityonthecloud.com, you know. Deityonthecloud.com. Okay. The next are lust and chastity being the remedy for lust. Okay. Well, both of those just have a whole lot of things. We've seen what happens to priests and people that deny themselves things that are natural to the human form. It's, it's mm. the nature of the body. It's not the nature of the spirit. We can still be spiritual here, but to, to do this to the body, we know what that causes. We also know what unbridled lust can do. And so the balance point, and this so is you where... you have a bride? Is that what you're saying? Unbridled. Go ahead. Seven unbridles for seven brothers. Yes. Okay. It's okay to be satisfied is the balance point between these two. The only reason we lust and the only reason that we stop the lust through chastity is when we believe that satisfaction is evil or wrong. And we have developed this in the society subconscious so incredibly that there is such a shame epidemic, or at least there was a generation, two generations ago, no, such a shame epidemic because of this. It's it's not about lust running wildly out of control and eating all the ice cream in the refrigerator or um, being in your bedroom 24 hours a day. It, that's not our natural self. But that happens when we deny our natural self. So when we say it is okay to be who we are and be true to the nature that we were designed to be, then it's no longer this taboo thing that we run amok. And when we want something and we have guilt about it, Deepak says guilt plus desire equals addiction. And it's true. If we are addicted to something and we really want it, it's because we want it and we're also saying no, the gas and the brake pedal. And what happens is the brakes grind, there's smoke everywhere, and we start doing unnatural things, like eating tubs of ice cream or well, something. There is inherent in the concept of lust, the idea that the body is against us. Mm -hmm. It just goes there. And 
That yeah, is the, the mythos that's been going on for way too long because you're going to have to incorporate the body into the equation if you're really actually going to do anything as far as your spiritual development goes. Um, fighting your own nature, we are very, very wired. Now, disciplining be, your nature is different, but I just wanted to insert that in there. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, we are very hardwired to be attracted sexually. It's who we are. It is who we are, and we're wired that way to ensure that the human race continues on mm -hmm. because very few women would care to take their lower lip and stretch it over their forehead, <laughs> as Carol Burnett has said. And uh, many men really do feel that it's important to, well, impregnate, period. Okay, got out of that one. All right, now, so that has to be part of who we are without it being a ruling thing within us, that the, our body is on our side. Mm -hmm. That's what's just missing everywhere in all of this. I don't want to go to a monastery. I just don't. That's not my path. That's not my method of fulfillment. It's just not the way that works. Well, I, I, just so, something on that subject before we go too far sure. afield with the, with the lust and everything. And it is true that, uh, <laughs> okay, we'll just spend the rest of the show on this, okay? Oh, no, lust uh, is. We'll start doing the after show where, yeah, okay, yeah. where we get after into the x-ray stuff. Work, yeah. Okay, well, the thing is, is yes, we are biologically programmed. And in general, the women are programmed to seek a monogamous mate to help us raise our children. And that's how we survive, our genetics survive in, in life. So men are per, perhaps uh, genetically predisposed to have more children and to have many partners. And that really does depend on where in the world you um, are descendant from. Because certain men are much more monogamous than others because they came from a place where there wasn't a lot of death and stuff. And so they didn't have to have multiple partners. So there is a lot of genetic, genetics driving us. And how that translates into modern times is women tend to want to commit. Ask any relationship, there's always some issue. <laughs> have, well, the relationships that have problems. The issue is usually the guy doesn't want to commit and the woman does. It's a genetic predisposition. The men cheating or whatever is a predisposition that we don't have to get into or give into once we know that. That is the point. The women or the men. That so is the point. That's why I was saying the discipline. Yeah, okay. Self love. Just a, just a little point I thought was interesting is, yes, in my studies. Self love is self discipline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is the way that works. But the idea is that the body is on our side, and the word lust and the word chastity are both against the concept that the body is part of the trinity that we lived in. Exactly. I agree with that, Neville. And yeah, it's just so, so healthy and it's so healing. And it really prevents rape and, and yeah, people leaving why, their families. Just to, to look at it and think of it in a healthier way. Yeah, and that's what has been the byproduct of even the existence of the word lust, is that people are really knocked out of their own sense about this sort of thing. Yes. And that's what we'd like to see restored. Well, and also, just think of all the brain space people are occupied finding that husband or that person 
um, to commit to or to commit to them. Oh, I, I got to find a husband. I got to find a husband. And think of all the brain space that's used up. Oh, I've got to attract a girl and get her in bed. Just there's so much more, and we can ascend above that. Not that it's bad, but just put it in proper proportions. Okay, the next deadly sin, in quotes again, we gotta we gotta have one of those sound effects. Deadly sin. Okay, is envy, and the antidote to that is kindness. Now, envy is something Neville and I had even considered doing a whole show on jealousy and envy, and. Uh, I was talking about that, and that's what popped into my head, the seven deadly sins, and I just looked it up on my iPhone on the way here to find out technically what they are. But jealousy, and we will be doing a show on that in the near future, it is something that is an extremely painful thing, and it is an easy thing to get out of as we learn to love ourselves more. So envy means I am limited. There is no limitation over there. I am not content with who I am being here. So the antidote to that is to be kind, meaning, okay, it's very much like the greed and the, um, the charity one, where we say, okay, I'll be kind, and just say, oh, yes, I want everybody else to be happier than me. That's our way to get out of that feeling of, of being envious, is to say, I want everybody else to have better stuff than me. No, you take the last piece of pie. I don't want it. And that's when we really get into martyrdom. So how about if I replace that word kindness for martyrdom? And those are the two balance points. Perhaps you, your mic already now? Yeah, okay, apparently I was having some um, technical difficulty with the mic. Oh, I have, okay. I'm not certain where I cut out. I did want to make the very important point about lust as being designed. It didn't cut out at all. It didn't cut out. Okay. All right, good. And that was. Now, so what was our next one? Pardon me, I was envy, distracted. Envy. And okay. well, well, let me just finish this real quick. Sure, thing. sure. I was just making the point that, that envy and uh, martyrdom rather than envy and kindness are, are the two things. So really the balance point is knowing that just like that Mother Teresa vision that I had, that there's no one less fortunate, no one more fortunate, and that everybody is in the exact perfect life for them, and that we can intersect and assist each other, certainly. But do that to the extent that your heart leads you to. You'll never be envious. Why would I be envious of someone that has a million-dollar home if that's not my path and I know it? And why would I be envious of this person that has this? Do you see my point? So knowing that you're always on the right path is the balance. That's point. very well okay. put. Yeah. So, so envy. envy is the idea that someone has something that you don't have and that therefore you are lesser than they are which is just so many false premises in a row that it doesn't really bear discussion because we are limitless creators. We really truly are. And as soon as we remember that, then we can be it. But you have to remember it first, and then you can be it. So anything that you desire, or let's say um, you had something in the past and it went away, okay? And so, what, you're envious of who you were? And I mean, that's the way that works, right? Uh, no, no, you call it back if you really want it. But first take a look at, pull up consciously why that's no longer there, because that's part of the equation. And as soon as you figure out why that's no longer there, it's very unlikely that you would want to call it back because it came and it did and now it's gone. Why would I want to go through that again? 
Now, jealousy is the fear of being replaced. And as we just said a minute ago, you are an irreplaceable note in the symphony of humanity. You cannot be replaced. There's no possibility of it. So um, envy and jealousy. Jealousy is, you forget it. You cannot be replaced. Just relax. Just move forward. All of this is talking well, about a ridiculous tension that's not necessary. And our final, go ahead. Our well, and I think that, that the whole thing is, is really about being p at peace with yourself and where yeah. you are and not feeling that you are to be somewhere else. And it's amazing how much of our time we are spent worried about being where we are and needing, quote unquote, to be somewhere else. We're at work, want to be at home. At home, I'm late for work this report and we're always being pulled out of the moment okay our final our final seven deadly sin phone in now gluttony and the antidote is temperance yeah. and once again we're talking about an inability to be satisfied the only reason Correct. we overdo anything is because we're not allowing ourselves to enjoy it I really want a candy bar oh I really want it so we eat the candy bar oh you bad person and we're whipping ourselves as we're eating it Oh, God, I can't believe I ate that candy bar. Oh, my God, I just ate that candy bar. I need another candy bar. I didn't enjoy the first one. I got to eat this one. And that's where mindful eating comes in. Mm -hmm. And it's granting yourself, just like in every one of these other categories, granting yourself permission to enjoy it while it's there. Absolutely. And then once you enjoy it without guilt, you're done. You've eaten the candy well, bar. Well, without you're guilt. Done. And that's a whole 15 shows in a row. Well, yeah, we'll do another one on guilt. that. So... Gluttony, okay, and I agree, is the inability to be satisfied. And you cannot be satisfied simply because you don't know how. Like be liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, you simply don't know how to be satisfied. We were never trained. It was never, it was never introduced in child. Oh, daddy, please, I want the satisfaction toy. Well, they don't make anything like that. Yes, you know, the one where I play with it for like 10 minutes and I'm just happy for three weeks. No, 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 we have a bigger, better toy. No, 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 I want the satisfaction toy. Please, the satisfaction toy, could you go get me that? Well, I won't be satisfied until I have it and then you're done. Well, even as recently, oh. Sorry. Yeah, okay, so the obsessive, uh, <clears throat> gluttony is also an unbridled obsessive compulsive gnome. In other words, the same person that has to knock on the door nine times or whatever the OC is, you know, whatever that is, 64 times, I don't care. Whatever that is, it's the inability, it's an overactivity of the frontal lobe. It's, and again, because there's no satisfaction, there's, um, there's no um, ability to stop and allow the universe to hear your command. There's, there, you've got instant satisfaction has been maxed in you. And if it isn't delivered instantly, you'll, you'll hit the button again and again and again and again. Now, to get past that point is to just pause in between. That's what satisfaction is. It's the completion. We did the Trinity so many times. Uh, the Trinity of human creation. There is the inspiration. The inspiration leads to the process. 
and the process leads to boredom. Boredom got a very bad rap, but boredom is the down part of the cycle. Now, it's only from the down part of the cycle that the inspiration can enter. The inspiration doesn't enter mid-process as a rule, although it could. But if you are in the boredom part, if you are in the satisfied part, then inspiration comes, and that's what oh, we don't have. And I think it's this underlying satisfaction, even within the boredom, being satisfied yeah, wherever we are. Yeah, with being bored. But yeah. something I'd like to point out before we get off the subject of the gluttony, even as recently as when my kids were growing up, what we tended to do with kids is force feed them, make them sit at the dinner table, eat, eat your spinach. I think we all had times like that where we were getting ready to gag and someone was trying to force us to eat. One of the things that I noticed oh, that my niece was doing when, with her daughter, she was eating and, and the daughter kind of stops and she goes, well, is your tummy full? And she goes, uh -huh. like I don't know or something. She goes, well, you know if your tummy's full and you stop when your tummy's full. I thought, wow, if my mother had just done that to me. Not that my mother force fed yeah, me. Yeah. But what we tend to do is we see overstepping someone's natural physical boundaries Out with our fear over them or our protectiveness over them and we push past their boundaries as small children and then wonder why they have no power over their boundaries. So this could be a whole new evolution in raising our children is to allow their physical boundaries when they're tired and when they're not tired forcing them to go to bed. And I'm not saying that we don't train our bodies to get on schedules but to start listening more to a child's body and then the child learns to listen to their own. What we were taught is our bodies lie and they're bad things that we have to train to get to go to sleep at 8 o'clock and force yeah, feed spinach yeah. and that you can't have ice cream even though it craves it. And then what we do is we get out of this whole resonance. When we're in that state of out of resonance, then we don't have that thing that knows really what our body's asking for. Yeah. It's very important to reset the way in which we're bringing up our children because I agree. Um, all of these things that were... Um, done with our consent because we agreed to be these people. Something, yeah. In order to demonstrate for the next generation how not to do things a lot of times. Well, real quick before the duck, I just, yeah. along those lines, my nephew, his son did through something at his sister, and he said, instead of shaming him or making him wrong, he goes, I can't believe you made that decision. Now, yeah. Go over there and sit down and really think what what is a better decision. And so he thought about it and came over and picked the toy up. And I yeah, thought, what yeah. a brilliant thing. Okay. Yeah, no, that's very well done. We have a duck dangling team this evening. Mm -hmm. We do indeed. Is it a JG team? Ah, it could be. <laughs> there James we go. All and right. Gloria duck dangling. James and Gloria DuckDangler.com. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, that's, that's the sort well, of website Well, two came out. Strength and faith. Faith means you know it's going to happen and you don't doubt it and it's just not time yet. Strength is something that we all have and always find the strength within yourself. I got resilience, which is a very interesting mm. angel. I had never met that particular angel before. And I understand that uh, one of the greatest attributes any soul can demonstrate is adaptability, mm. is uh, not, uh, okay. is the release of, of <coughs> attachment and the allowing of the flow to occur, mm. which would be resilience in a, at a higher frequency than just the allowing or just the adaptation. 
but uh, that's a very important thing. And uh, yeah, we have wonderful. a phone call. So let's see who's on the phone. We this got evening. all of our seven, seven cents. Yeah, well, that's, that's amazing. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, hi, caller. What's your name, please? I'm Karen. Hey, Karen. What can we do for you? Oh, I'd love a reading for tonight, please. Sure. Be most happy to. Maybe we ought to reduce all the sins into one, and it's guilt. <laughs> Well, you okay. know, that's a very well-taken point because uh, that is the byproduct of all of the sins. Yes. Therefore, you can yeah. um, overcome that. Okay. Well, Karen, the first card that we get is letting go. And if you see that water droplet, it doesn't sit there with a slide rule and say, how do I get out into um, the ocean? It just says, I want to go to the ocean, and it lets go and the universal forces of gravity and flow take it to the, uh, out to the ocean. And this is something I feel you're very good at manifesting by just letting go and letting the laws of metaphysics and the laws of physics taking you somewhere. But now what the isolation card says is that there is an emotional event or emotional block that's stopping you from really opening up and allowing yourself to go where you want to go. And how we melt, because water to get boundaries freezes up. And and water is our emotion. And so there are other ways to create boundaries without having to freeze up. And so it's saying, cry those old tears. Let that old pain go so that you can start your river of creativity again and, and keep going. This card talks about a decision coming up and perhaps that block. Like, like let's say someone's asking us to marry them and we had a really bad experience in the past. We may then hesitate in making that decision coming up in the future. So it is saying new opportunities coming for you. Unfreeze and let flow whatever might be holding you back from them. And it's kind of interesting that it's telling you that about the future, so it reminds, makes me think of something really big and nice. And we have our next caller. Hi, caller. What's your name? Yes, good evening. My name is Alexandra. Alexandra, what can we do for you? Yes, I would like to congratulate for your show for both of you. And I also, I would like a reading from Mary, please. Okay, be most happy to. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, the first card, the adventure card, love this. Child's standing there in the dark, afraid to take that step forward, thinking he might fall off a cliff. And then he makes the decision, and the light comes on. It's much like what I was saying earlier. If we just make a decision somewhere, it really does ignite a lot of things. And so it's saying for you to make that decision. And every time that you have something holds you back, like, oh, if I go do that, then the kids will do, be, be without me. Or if I do this, then I'll lose. Whatever, whatever those arguments are, it's saying that guilt is a lie. It's just clouds. It's just clouds that fog our mind. Clear that away, and who you are and where your next step is will become very, very clear. And it will get rid of those old prisons that we uh, find ourselves in. And remember, every prison, mental prison that we're in, is always of our own construct. And we don't have to listen to what other people say. We can just do what our heart tells us. And I think that's very good advice for you right now. So yeah, thank I have you. had a thought about Alexandria. There's um, something I was, I only caught a little of what you were saying, so forgive me if it's repeated. Um, there are those amongst us that recognize, yourself included, that recognize what's good in people. And when they talk to them, the person recognizes that about themselves and becomes greater. 
So this is, um, and I wouldn't use the word enabler because it has a very negative connotation, but activator, maybe more the word activator. Okay. And I get that feeling from this person, and because of it, there's going to be an enormous doorway open that she will have to decide between um, guilt and not guilt in order to go through the doorway. And yeah, I know you, I saw the guilt card, yeah. and that's what triggered me to understand that that yeah, was the Yeah, and inhibitor. the adventure card as well, so that's, yeah, yeah. that's very in line with what I pulled. So uh -huh. we got another call. Oh, yeah. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Lucy. Lucy. Hi. Hi. I'm calling uh, for a reading, but I'd also like to say this is a great show. There is so much in it. I'm, I'm so glad I can listen to it over again. Oh, well, and, thank you. And I like being reminded about your mother, Teresa's story. That's Aww. a great story. And to write out affirmations. I'm so glad that you said that. Yes. And so um, I would like my reading. Thank okay. You. Thank you, Lucy. And by the way, I'm starting a tarot class mm -hmm. where you get a lot of practice, so you get to do readings for yourself and others. But it's really a lot of fun games in it, and it's seven different classes. Just look on the website, and um, it's done so that it can be doable for a lot of people, and it'll be very enjoyable. Okay, so Lucy, the first card, Clinging to the Past. You know what? I get a sense that the reason that we cling to the past is we know how it turned out. And so it's safe. Like if I look back, like in the moment we might be afraid of what's going to come tomorrow. But then we look back at this moment today in, in the past and we go, oh, I know that everything turned out okay. And we have a completely different judgment of our decisions and how we behaved in that last moment. And so one thing that I really get from this is to be compassionate for your past selves. If there was ever a decision or a thing that came about, look back and say, I love you. You did the best you could with the information you had, and it was actually ultimately the best thing for me. Mm -hmm. And that'll help you to let go of the past now as well. The dream, one of the things I'm getting for you in regards to this card is to awaken some of those old dreams that you've put on the shelf somewhere and either do them or let go of them to let new things in. For instance, if you've always wanted to go to the Bahamas and you really just don't want to do that anymore, let go of that and bring in the new place you want to go. I'm going to go to Scotland now. And it's Scotland. like, like rein, reinventing ourselves and, and all that. Neville found, traced our ancestry back to way back, and they were from a similar place, so that was kind of funny. All right, then the next card is turning in and listening to what you really feel. We also collect a, a whole uh, entourage of voices within our own mind, these loop tapes. It's us talking but it's talking in the style of other people that we've met in our life and to clear some of that away because it's a time of great freedom. And I'm also seeing a book around you that might be significant and some travel. So just open up to that. The so travel thanks, book, Lucy. Yeah. And we have our next caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Uh, hi, I'm and Mary. I'm in Marcia. Uh, once more, please, your name? Marcia. Marcia. Oh, hi, Marcia. Hi. How are hi. you? Hi. Hey, yes. Yes. Uh, We're doing I well. Called, I, I called last, last week, and I lost the connection. My call, I could not hear you guys when Mary had a uh, card reading for me. So I'm calling again to see if she could focus on work-related cards, uh, new leads, new work, new positions, something. Okay. Okay. That would help me to change. Okay. 
Well, the first card we get, thanks for calling back. I know I didn't get last week's show posted because there was an issue with the recording, but I will we'll get that recorded yeah, yeah. at some point. Okay, the card here is existence. I always think of owning your own business or working for yourself when I see this card and that you have a very independent nature and perhaps that's an avenue for you to explore. But to get there, you have to get rid of some of these old beliefs that you have about yourself and get your life um, more in resonance with who you really are and get some of that negative thoughts about yourself out of there, which we all have floating around in there. And, and here's turning in. Yeah. And go back to your authentic self and see what you really want to do. And even if this involves going back into a line of work that you may have been in before, thinking something that you feel you've left behind, don't worry about it because it's just a stepping stone into something new. And it feels to me like it's, it, you're going to be meeting someone that will help you get out of that pretty quickly once you're in it. So thank you very much. It was thank lovely you. to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And we have another call? No. Um, let's see. You'll be teaching. Oh, I am also thinking of a very um, small group, taking a small group for a psychic development week to mm. the ocean. Yeah, oh, that um, where would be we excellent. learn cards and some psychic development exercises and stuff. And so there's, it's not going to be a big group. So if anybody's interested, email me today. Yeah, uh, actually, that'll fill pretty quickly. So. Well, I don't know. I mean, just it, yeah, so don't let yeah. that stop you. Still call. I mean, if you're interested. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I'll be teaching Merkaba the technique and, uh, and a few other techniques. The potluck coming up on the 31st, mm -hmm. and your Merkaba, I believe, is on the 20th or something. Uh, I, I don't remember. The 20th of August. 20th no. Oh, August. That's why yeah, I was going to announce that later August, on. yeah. But it's on the website. We yeah. don't have a whole mm -hmm. lot going on this summer, but we are going to Serpent Mount again in September. So yeah, if you really want to come on a sacred journey, oh, man, it's very doable. Yeah in a lot of ways. And so We're going to be at Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax Snorkel shortly. Uh, if you're out and about and would like to join us, do so. And we have begun the process of um, getting some of our old shows from the year 2000, 2001, 2002 off of the old tape onto DVD. So if anybody has a Umatic and wants to help us out by, by dubbing some of those onto DVD, that would be great. Yeah. And um, we can work out trades and stuff. I mean, just something. It seems Trades a shame to throw all these tapes away because we They've were got, little kids back then. They're stacked to the ceiling. Yeah. We got a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. We've already thrown some away. So if someone can. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm into Did cough. everybody in the control room. <laughs> you meant to cough. Did everybody in the control room jump? <laughs> Especially the audio people. Well, it's not cold in here at all, and it's not 110 degrees outside. Remember the outside. time you sneezed, and you, we were raccoon, we had raccoons. Yeah. Neville was filming, and we were right there. It was real quiet, and he sneezed, and the raccoon jumped like five feet in the air. Yeah, I sneezed next to the crystal ball, and it rings. Yes. For like five minutes. You do know how to sneeze. You do yes, it well. Yes, Dad taught me. Yes, I'm going to get me a nose that knows how to do that. Yeah. Remember yeah. Justin Wilson. Where he was trying to ladle spoon. with a tiny spoon, yeah. and he goes, I'm going to get me a spoon that knows how to do that and got a big spoon. I thought that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Why blame the little spoon? It's just not for the job. Don't blame any part of your life or yourself. This could be, yeah. This usually means 30 seconds. And, and so it's our joy and honor to take you to the door, and we encourage you to walk on through whatever that represents for you. Yes, just like the in crowd. Mm -hmm. Walk on home. Metaphysical power, man. 
Yeah, totally. That usually means we're done, right? Five, four, three, two, one. Roll the credits.